You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to the San Jose Hockey Now podcast, your trusted source for all things San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Floor. Joining me, as always, on this beautiful Thursday evening, or Thursday night, I guess I should say, is Editor-in-Chief of San Jose Hockey Now and my co-host, Shang Peng. Shang, how's it going? Very good. Good. And, of course, getting straight into the 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 news that matters the most we need a status update on mushu how's she doing <laughs> thank you for asking i was waiting for you to ask i would have been yeah. insulted if you had not asked uh, mushu yeah. is doing well uh she just went to the doctor for her i think it was her two week checkup mm-hmm. and everything is progressing well with her broken bone and uh it still has the cast on and it won't get taken off uh you know soon um, but uh, she's going to go for another uh, checkup uh, 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 next week, and uh, hopefully you know, maybe she'll get a smaller cast or something and just see that she's progressing. But, uh, yeah, uh, she's actually running around a bit with her cast, uh, um, which she wasn't doing at first. Uh, the first day she was very depressed, but now she's learned to uh, live with her cast and at least for now being a three-legged dog. Yeah, she's... Uh... She's a survivor, no, no doubt. So it's good <laughs> yep, to see she's she up is. and up and up, and she's uh, week to week, as we like to say here, with a lower body injury. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. And uh, I love let that me, work let me with add, dogs. Yes. Do they cut the dog like horizontally so all the legs uh, are lower body? I think the legs should be all lower body, right? And anything okay. above the stomach is upper body, <laughs> I okay. guess. Um, but I will say too about her survivorship. I should add this because I love to talk about Mushu. Is that uh, Mushu is uh, nine year nine years old. Uh, we adopted her last February, uh, and she was a stray on the streets for uh, for a while. That we don't know how long, but yep, she's a survivor for sure. So a little uh, broken toe uh, is not going to, uh, you know, uh, mess with her life too much. Yeah, it will not de- deter her from attacking stickies on the wall. Yes, <laughs> and looking just... looking very cute and when begging for food. So that's a survival awesome. instinct. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So that's this is the part where everyone turns our podcast off because they got all the news that they wanted to hear. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but what we do have coming down the pipe for you guys is something a little bit different. You know, Shang and I, we're switching things up. Uh, Sharks are at a bit of a crossroads right now in their season. And so we're going to do some role-playing again, except for we're going to take it up a different notch. We're going to level it up a little bit. Normally, we like to break down the Sharks' moves, the acquisitions, the trades, why they do what they're doing. You know, why are they attempting to extend Tomas? Uh, why would they not? Uh, we like to explain that so that way it makes the most sense for all of our listeners. <clears throat> but instead, tonight we've got something special lined up. We've decided to take the reins as general manager here and explain what we would do. Not what we think the Sharks should do, but what we would do if we were general manager. So, Yeah, um, as- a couple of weeks ago we uh, uh, did the 
Thomas Hurdle bit where we try to sell Thomas Hurdle uh, staying in San Jose. So I guess it's sort of the same thing here where uh, we are sort of, we're the GM and we're going to, uh, we're going to figure out uh, how to bring the Sharks uh, back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As always, we like to note the date for all of our listeners. We're recording this late on Thursday, March 3rd in the year 2022. And of course, if you want to follow us and this podcast and everything it stands for, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at SJHockeyNowPod. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet. And you can follow myself at NickFloor underscore. Shang, where can they find you? They can find me at Shang underscore Pang and all my work at San Jose Hockey Now and NBC Sharks. All right. And, of course, Shang, before we hop into our little, uh, I, wanna, I would say, cap-friendly armchair GM session that we're going to do here, we have some, I wouldn't say breaking news, but we do have some news to cover. It's very important. I mentioned the Sharks are at a bit of a crossroads, and that's because uh, their starting goaltender, James Reimer, sustained a lower body injury in the game against the Vegas Golden Knights, and he is currently out week-to-week week per Bob. So definitely not what Sharks fans wanted to see. And, and Shang, really quickly, Bob did talk a little bit about uh, the possibility of him being overworked, correct? Yeah, no, he did concede that. Um, but again, I, I want to be careful with, with that. Uh, and you have probably seen, all of you who are listening, have probably seen uh, me defend Bob on this point for weeks, and I, and I still will. Uh, of course, it's possible that James uh, got hurt because of overwork, but I don't think that there's a clear A to B here, which I, I wrote about in the article at San Jose Hockey Now. I think the article is titled uh, uh, When the Shark Season Forked um, mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, and I know forked sounds like a, another word, which <laughs> We're forked, sounds, sounds like the shark season too. <laughs> but um, anyway, though... Uh, yeah, uh, so 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 I, I think I think I, I don't know if I want to say I'm going to give credit to Bob, but Bob doesn't have to concede that possibility. It is sort of an obvious possibility, but a lot of coaches would be more defensive and not put himself out there like that and say, "Yeah, it could have been that." It's him being honest. Because it, it, yes, it could have been because Bob Bugner started him for 13 straight games. Uh, it also could have happened if you know you play Sawchenko like people wanted uh, in one or two of these games, and James Reimer still could have got hurt. You really, mm-hmm. really do not know. Uh, what I do know is that Bob Bugner was in a position uh, once again where he was charged to make the playoffs. Uh, the team doesn't have a great chance. We know that. No, he knows that. But it's still possible, though. And so you're asking, and I've written this exactly the same thing. Like you're asking athletes, competitors, of which the coach, the coaching staff, the front office is made up of, especially the front office, right? And you're asking them to give up on basically on the best chance to win just because math, just because they're not likely to make the playoffs. Well, it's still possible, though. So they're going to try their best until the end. And everybody who talks about oh players aren't developing man you know we have how many games left uh, you took it down we have like 28 29 games left yeah or 28 like that. games so again i've said this so many times what's the, what's the difference uh say a i'm just gonna use an example you know say a ryan merkley uh you know tw- you know not playing 20 minutes a night uh like until the last 15 games of the season you know like uh he'll get he'll get a chance to do do that probably by the end of the year at this rate. Right. And so instead of getting 
25 games of good work, he gets 15 games of good work, or a Joachim Blickfeld, or whoever, any prospect you think of, Sasha Chimileski, anybody you want to call up, uh, John Leonard, right? Uh, they're going to get their chances at this rate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's the Sharks have, uh, you know, just went through a seven game losing streak. Um, they play themselves out of that, but they're not exactly, you know, winning games at a, at a rapid clip right now. And they've just obviously lost James Reimer. Aiden Hill is not as close to returning as possible. And uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're going, you know, you're going to see uh, Zach Shachenko. <laughs> And we'll yep. see. We'll see what he has, you know. But anyway, though, you know, Bugner was in a position that, that, that of trying of trying to win a reasonable position, really. If you think about just what these guys' job is, their job is to win. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to talk about developing guys, it's not like again, it's it's not like this is like five games left in the season. They're still over twenty five. The the youngsters are going to get their shot. They're going to get their chance to play and a chance to show their stuff. Um, so anyway. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so just on that point with, uh, James Reimer and yeah, I'll just get to the other stuff here, uh, Nick, just so we can move on from the news and, and, and get to playing uh, armchair GM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the sharks are, are in such a dire position with their goaltending with Reimer out and Hill out that they traded for, uh, Alex Stalock and for future considerations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we've had how many how many people have asked you i've had at least three like what 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 does future considerations equate to and it's like it's the literal bare minimum because you cannot trade a player for nothing so it could be something as like swapping uh like comp picks in the seventh round or uh, allowing Edmonton to wear their home jerseys the next time they show up in San Jose like they did. I, this I don't last know exactly season. what it is, but it's not going to be very much. Uh, you yeah. know, Stalock was basically the fourth or fifth goalie in the, in the Oilers organization. Um, the Oilers, actually, funny enough, uh, they may not have a lot of, uh, they may not have like a bona fide number one, obviously, but they mm-hmm. do appear to have three or four goalies that they, besides Stalock, that they kind of like or they, you know, they, they think have a, a reasonable NHL future, uh, you know, Mike's or future or present, you know, Mike Smith, uh, Koskinen, uh, Stuart Skinner, who shot out the Sharks. Uh, and also they have uh, their backup last night was uh, Ilya. Uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, but it's uh, Konolov. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, thank you to, to Liz Child for sending me his, his name uh, yesterday. Uh, Liz Child, our a Barracuda reporter, uh, follow her work. Uh, but anyway, though, um, he was a third round pick in 2019 and he's had some good numbers in the KHL. So, uh, so anyway, uh, so the Oilers are kind of deep in, in net in a sense, even though their goaltending is ridiculed all the time. Uh, so they could afford to trade Staylock for probably like I said, nothing. And there probably is some kind of caveat. If Staylock wins a bunch of games for the Sharks, then the Sharks have to give up something, but you know, I, likely again, likely, uh, the odds, uh, aren't high on that. Obviously we know that. Um, so anyway, the Sharks are in a pretty dire position of their goal in, in their goaltending. And uh, so this will hasten sort of uh, uh, what the people want or what some of the people want in terms of the, the, the youngsters getting a, maybe a bit more playing time or a bit more responsibility to show what they've got. Yeah. And so um, you mentioned this speeding up that process of essentially what what feels as as tanking for Shane Wright because that's what that's what everyone's pursuing essentially during this this upcoming draft so 
we're going to jump right into our GM shoes, our GM socks, put on the suit, grab our phones, all 17 of them, and uh, get this puppy started. So, Shang, you're going to headline this. We've we've agreed to this format. We you know, but you were the you wrote up the core here. You wrote up pretty much the majority of this um, while picking my brain essentially as to why this, why that, thoughts on this, thoughts on that. So we're going to let you go ahead and just take this off and sure. we'll just get her started right now. Okay. So I think the core question we start with, and Nick alluded to it uh, so often on this podcast, uh, in my writing, uh, I try to really take a perspective of what the Sharks are doing, what the coaching staff is doing, the reasoning behind it. Um, I think that that is more my job. You know, I'm a reporter and not so much of a columnist or whatever. Right. And so while I do have sort of my opinion of, uh, what I would do if I were the GM of the sharks, um, I don't really, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really talk about that too much because, um, um, it, kind of doesn't matter, (laughs) you know, know, uh, we, you know, I'm speaking the the Royal, we as in fans and whatever I fans may want the sharks to rebuild, uh, go into a pretty full rebuild. Uh, but as Jonathan Becker made clear last week, they're not going to do that. So what's the point of me writing about a lot about that, about something that's not going to happen, right? But, Oh, the sharks management is this and that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're bonkers. They're being ridiculous, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to do what they're going to do. And so I don't really see that. And some people may disagree, you know, that I should take more of a editorial stance and hammer the sharks for this and that. And that's, that's fine. Uh, But um, I've always found more interest anyway, in my work. Uh, You know, you probably can tell if you've read or, or followed me over the years in figuring out why something is done and not, you know, if something seems obvious and it's not done, then I try to figure out, well, why didn't they do what seemed obvious to me and try to think hard and examine that and figure that out. So anyway, so in this case here though, I just thought, well, there's been so much talk about rebuilding. There's been so much talk about the future of the sharks, obviously too, you know, I wish this team was good. And so I could focus on the tactical stuff and what, why something is clicking. And I love to go back to, it was nice a month and a month and a half ago when a team was sort of looking interesting and, you know, focus on why Timo Meyer has been so good, uh, focus on, well, how, what, how we can fix the power play. So can get this team, you know, uh, over the hump and into the playoffs, maybe, uh, talk about what was working defensively earlier in the season, really enjoy doing that stuff. And I wish the team was uh, good enough for me to continue doing that, but I don't think there's an interest in, um, too much in, in breaking down sort of this tactical stuff now, not as much so because the team just isn't as, as interesting right now, obviously, uh, the, the present team, uh, that is, you know, a number of points out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I thought to just sort of, uh, change it up and just talk about what, what I would do if I were the GM. And that mm-hmm. means that's rarely, rarely anything that I write about or talk about. And so, yeah. So curious, uh, what, what you guys, uh, how you guys, uh, take all this. Um, but anyway, so how got the aloe ready for all the burns. So it, we're ready. We're ready for the criticism. <laughs> so anyway, I want to uh, go back to a podcast we had uh, about a couple months ago, month, two months ago. I'm not exactly sure which one it was, but um, yeah, actually, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Nick, do you, <laughs> while, while I'm talking to you, do, do you mind? Do you want to look it up? 
Yeah, yeah, I can I can take a look. This is the one with the two executives, right? We, yeah, we yeah, referenced yeah, that yeah. on the last episode as right, well. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, so since since uh, this it sort of forms the 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 core the the core of the, sort of what we're talking about here, and um, yeah, so yeah, let's so, let's, so we'll try to get you the the the, the episode so you can, you you can find out if you haven't heard it. But anyway, a couple months ago, talked to a uh, uh, executive from an outside angel organization and also a former angel GM. And I asked them what they would do with the Sharks. And this was the Sharks a couple months ago. That, that was a you know more competitive looking team. Uh, Eric Carlson wasn't hurt yet. Thomas Hurdle uh, and Timo Meyer were hot. You know, the team was playing better. So anyway, the executive uh, said that he would build around what the Sharks have, mainly because the alternative was worse. And the alternative being that if you divest yourself of these some of these contracts, you know, just how much is it going to cost to get rid of Vlasic and Carlson? And yeah, I guarantee you it'll cost. And you know, what happens to the team competitively if you if you get rid of a uh, Burns, a uh, Couture? Yeah, basically who's gonna play these minutes? And so, you know, again, so the alternative is is worse than what this executive suggested was to kind of run out these contracts, basically what the Sharks are doing, run out these contracts, you know, hope these players are still good. Uh, they have shown, you know, obviously Carlson's had a good year until he got hurt. Uh, Couture has been pretty good this year. Not, you know, not amazing, but he's been fine. Right. Uh, Burns, uh, Burns is still a good player. He may not be the great player he was, but he's still a good player. And obviously uh, hurdle is still an excellent player. Um, so the idea is that, yeah, so you sort of, hope that 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 these guys can stay pretty good as players and not give up stuff to get rid of some of these guys right that's a big part of it and mm-hmm. then you know hope to shepherd in some uh, some young players along the way so they can kind of form and coalesce into a strong team once again let me uh, interject here really sure. quick shang it's episode 20 thank you and it's it's properly named what's the point of the sharks making the playoffs so <laughs> so um yeah that's not gonna happen <laughs> yeah well, that, those are good times when it seemed yeah. possible so <laughs> yeah so episode 20 for those that want to listen to the exact breakdown of those two executives i do uh miss uh playoff hockey <laughs> yeah that's uh the, the most the most fun to cover and i think i do my best writing then so yeah so yeah uh but anyway though so that's that, that's one perspective, and um, yeah, uh, that that makes that makes sense for 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 different reasons. Um, but you know, we won't get into all the reasons because we want to get into sort of the meat of of the podcast. So the the former angel GM though he suggested uh, what he, what we call basically a soft dump of contracts, and basically what that means is you get rid of any of these veteran contracts as long as you don't have to give up anything significant with it. So. If nobody offers you anything for Brent Burns and Logan Couture, just for example, then keep them. Fine. Uh, they're playing pretty well. They're still good players. Uh, they may not be who you know they used to be, but they're still uh, you know above average Angel players. Both of them. You know, Brent, Brent Burns is still a top four defenseman. Uh, Logan Couture is still a top six centerman. So they're still good players. And so, but then, but you know, under the hand though, somebody w- comes up to you and says, "Hey, we will give you. We'll take all of Brent Burns's contract, and we'll give you a fifth round pick." Now, if you think about Brent Burns's value to the Sharks, and 
even his value on a potential new team where he's not forced to play 28 minutes a night or anything, but you know, you can slot him in at maybe 23, 22, uh, and you know, basically a place where he can really fit in and excel, right? Fifth round pick is, you know, it's a pittance, you know, Brent Burns can still help a team win the Stanley cup. Uh, you know, I guarantee you that I know there are some people who aren't the biggest fans of him, but I think a lot of, you know, he's overexposed obviously, but that's not his fault. He's doing the best with the, the, the basically the responsibility that is forced on him because the sharks don't really have other options that are reliable, especially with Eric Carlson and Mario for all hurt. Uh, but anyway, though, um, yeah, that's that's neither here nor there. But the 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 point though is that if a team comes up to you and is willing to give you anything, but you can get rid of the contract, you just take it, take it and run. Uh, so that's sort of the the sort of the soft. So, you, so basically, it's, a, it's kind of a slow teardown, but just sort of depends on what offers you can get. Um, and if you don't get the offers, then you live with the players you've got. But uh, yeah, so so that's that's sort of uh, that that's 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 sort of the soft dump idea. Um, yeah. Idea three, which a lot of people have advocated for, is the full teardown. And we've explained this many times uh, on here. Uh, but the full teardown, of course, is you know getting rid of all these contracts, Carlson, Vlasic, Couture, getting rid of all or most of them you know, as swiftly uh, as possible. And yes, you can do that, but I guarantee you say Vlasic, right? We've talked about this before. You know, Vlasic mm-hmm. has, after this year, four years at $7 million each. Uh, usually a contract of that size, right? A first-round pick is the equivalent of, well, it's probably actually, you know, first-round pick could be equivalent of $5 million, $4 million a year, actually. We saw that during the Vegas expansion draft. But, um, but let's just say it's a first-round pick for every year of Vlasic's contract. So to get rid of, to get somebody to take off his contract, that's about the general cost, you know, number of first round picks. Um, So that doesn't make sense. It just, you're, 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 you're shooting yourself in the foot with that. And so that's why neither of useful. Yes, exactly. And so that's why neither of these, uh, neither of these, you know, experienced hockey men took that option because they just, it just, it just not, not really uh, a doable. It's not really feasible. Uh, and so, so yeah, so that's why, so that's why the, the full rebuild is, is, is difficult to do, uh, to do it swiftly and to do it right now. Um, so anyway, you know, I've thought about, you know, these, uh, positions, uh, for a while <laughs> as is so, sort of, uh, a, a part of, uh, you know, part, part, part of the job and, uh, you know, just thinking about just watching this team and, you know, giving this team about 50, 50 games or so to, you know, really see what they've got. And, um, you know, I, I've, re- I've written about this recently too, actually probably in the same article, uh, you know, where the Sharks sort of forked the season after the Vegas loss. And the team is, you know, if they had stayed healthy with Carlson and, if, you know, they hadn't been put in a position to overplay Reimer, let's say Hill had stayed healthy and was decent. Maybe it's an average team. You know, it's a team that could have made the playoffs, actually, I think. But uh, it's not a great team by any stretch. And it's not a cup contender. And once you lose a Carlson and then you lose a Hill, which pushes, you know, Reimer to play more games, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, and of course, they just lose Ferraro too. Right. And it really exposes the team, obviously. And they don't have 
you know, great depth. They don't have even average depth. Uh, their forwards, of course, we know from the beginning, they have, you know, very poor depth up front. That was from the beginning of the season, even with adding guys, the younger players of some quality, like Barry Bonoff and Ballers and Dolan. So the last two years, they've had dismal, wretched depth, and now it's just bad. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's upgrade, but it's not much of one, right? And then mm. the defense... The Sharks deserve a lot of credit for being able to kind of train up guys like Middleton and Malosh and, you know, uh, get guys to be able to give them reasonably good minutes. But these are not high-end players for the most part. So if you lose your high-end defenseman, which is Carlson here, and then Burns has managed to stay healthy as he, you know, has a skill uh, for, for doing over the years to give him uh, full credit. And then you lose a Ferraro too. Uh, you have guys who can do a workman-like job for you, but they're, they're not going to these are not high-end defensemen. And so at some point, you know, sort of the, the bottom uh, falls out, right? And so the team that was able to win some games when they were all under COVID, right, with, the, you mm-hmm. know, the same personnel and, and, and that sort of thing, right? It's been harder the last 12 games or so because a team missing, uh, you know, a team that lacks depth everywhere, right? Uh, you know, and it's now it's missing Eric Carlson and missing other guys, right? Um, it's not going to keep winning the bottom is going to drop it at some point and the bottom dropped out in the last uh you know couple of weeks over the last uh, month or so um and so you do have depth on defense but it's made up of a lot of guys who are in reality probably you know fifth sixth seventh defensemen and they did a good job and they kept the team competitive and they still are doing that but at some point it just you know, you, you, you lose, you lose, uh, you lose your best players up there in a Carlson and Ferraro, your, you know, your true top four defenseman. It's just not, not replaceable in the long term. Um, so anyway, and uh, you know, the, the goaltending too, to get to that too, like just to touch on this, like, um, you have Reimer and then Hill gets hurt and it's an indictment really on, I don't know if it's on the organization itself or on the player itself or on both that um, they don't have a reliable number three. They don't have anybody that they would even play a number three, obviously, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks when we've been talking about Reimer or Sachenko. And yeah. it's also a, a kind of a, you got to look at Alexei Melnuchuk, who was supposed to sort of, you know, sort of uh, of the Sharks goaltending prospects last year was supposed to be the one to, kind of rise above and be the, the the possible goalie of the future. And he's down in the Barracuda and not excelling. And, uh, you know, Sachenko is up here not playing. And yeah. it tells you that at number three and number four in the, in the Sharks' uh, goaltending depth, that they don't trust that in, in the least bit, you know, be that Sachenko or Melnichuk. And, again, you know, a lot of eyes on Melnichuk because I think more was expected of him. Um, so yeah, so, uh, anyway, though, between, between those, those couple of guys though, like, um, there just was, there just isn't, there wasn't anybody to absorb the, the loss of, of Hill and now they've lost Reimer too. And so now they're turning to future considerations. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, yeah. so, so that's sort of a quick evaluation of the shark's depth and it's not great. Hey, we want to take a quick break to thank this week's sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Basketball fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. We're talking between the legs 360 windmill good. 
And now new customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. And don't worry, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contests. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NBA team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 or over. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. I am, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go with uh, the soft dump of, of, of mode of, of, uh, of uh, kind of fixing the, the sharks. And I'm going to break down each of the kind of major players in this, right? Burns and Carlson and Katora and all that and how they kind of fit into this. Um, so it's not just a pure dumping of contracts, you know, so, you know, I use the word soft because it's, it's subtle and there's, you know, kind of different reasons. Uh, you know, it's not, again, it's, it's not just a, a full teardown because I think that is literally impossible with this team. Uh, yeah. so, um, anyway, so the reason why I've chosen this option, uh, be, uh, uh, over what the sharks are doing now, or even like to even try to attempt a, a full teardown right now. Uh, I do think that it's team's best chance of returning to being a cup contender faster. And I want to say a word about the, the Sharks plan. Um, and I alluded to this last week in, in our mailbag. You know, people talked about the Sharks don't have a plan. I'm going to repeat it again. The Sharks very much have a plan. You may not like it. You may not think it's good. But it is it is a plan. And actually, they've been doing it really for the last couple of years, sort of uh, uh, under the radar in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I suggested it, I suggested it last week uh, what the plan was, but, you know, I want to kind of uh, make it more clear. I, I think I may have left some things uh, unexplained or whatever last week. So, okay, so the, the Sharks' current plan as I see it, number one, it's to keep contracts and stay competitive. And so they're hoping that their veteran players are still pretty good. And you keep the contracts because the alternative is sort of worse. You know, it's hard to get rid of these contracts. And sure, okay, you can trade a Brent Burns for a fifth-round pick maybe or something like that, right? But then who's going to soak up his minutes? You don't have anybody to soak up his minutes and stay reasonably competitive. Um, so their idea, again, okay, so that's number one of, of their ideas. So, uh, so yeah, so keep, keep, keep these star players and hope that they stay decent, you know, even if they're not as good as they used to be. Okay, number two uh, is not to trade trick picks and prospects and the sharks for the most part have not right i know that uh they traded a second round pick for aiden hill which is you know uh people aren't happy about that now obviously but if you really think about the last couple of off seasons and how much help this team really needs everywhere on the roster they really haven't done they really haven't traded a lot really i think the 
Second for for Hill is the only really significant thing that I can think of that they've traded to add to the current team. Uh, you know, there was a fourth round pick for Peterson, which obviously hasn't worked out, but it's a fourth round pick in 2024. In all honesty, teams kind of see picks that far out, like fourth round pick in 2024 isn't that much different than say like a sixth round pick this year. Is teams yeah. figure by the time you get to 2024, I'm not just making this up. This is this is what I've heard from different people that work in, you know, and draft valuation people and whatever. Yeah, they have an assigned point value essentially. Right. Well, it's just yeah. And so anyway, you teams figure that that by the time you get to 2024, you will have replaced that fourth round pick somehow. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's exactly. a good chance of that. It's not hard to do that. And almost so, the equivalent of future considerations at that kind point. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, and so um, of course it's a, still a waste of a pick because uh, Peterson hasn't worked out. But look, they like this talent. Um, it didn't work out. It happens. You take swings on younger. Look, uh, also too, uh, I think in general most people agree, right, that the Sharks should take swings on younger players that are sort of underappreciated by the organizations and who might hit with the Sharks, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what they thought with Peterson. And it obviously has backfired on them, uh, but there's also the hits that have worked, right? And we've talked about this before, guys that were underappreciated by their organizations who have turned out to be much better players on the Sharks than I think their past organizations, you know, kind of thought that they would be. You know, guys like Dolan, again, uh, they got in a trade for a mid-range prospect, uh, Balzers, they got off waivers, and Barabana for Suomela. So uh, for every one of those, right, like a Barabana for Suomela, which is a, clear win for the sharks um you have peterson for a fourth <laughs> so it happens yeah. you know the law of averages on, yeah you're not gonna hit on every young player but i think by and large they've actually done a decent job of that of uh adding to their depth uh, without giving up a lot so anyway so that's that's number two with the sharks 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 plan uh yeah don't trade picks and prospects and number three is uh, a simple add-on to that which is keep adding picks and prospects which the sharks have done over the last couple of years um and so i think basically what the sharks are hoping for is that by the time uh william Eklund or other prospects hit their prime that a hurdle who I still think they want to sign and a Katora Carlson and Burns, maybe Burns Burns is a little bit older, but that all these guys will still be meaningful players. Uh, we talked about this before too. Katora may not be uh $8 million first, second line center anymore by that time, but maybe he's still a good third line center. Very valuable. still. Eric Carlson may not be $11.5 million defenseman, but you know, maybe he's still your top power play option. He's still worth seven, 8 million at the 11.5 and so on with hurdle and Burns. So, I don't think that this is a ridiculous plan by, by any stretch. You know, I, like I wrote about uh, a couple, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, like I wrote about a week ago after Jonathan Becker's press conference, the Sharks are, you know, trying to kind of have it both ways. Right. Uh, you know, you know, have their cake and eat it too, as they say. Right. And yeah. so maybe, maybe it'll work. You know, I think a lot of this plan depends on these contracted players being useful and, and two, three years time, which is, Dicey, but possible, right? Carlson has had a comeback season, and he is—he was in his prime, a transcendent talent. And so, him losing some of his talent doesn't mean he's not a good player anymore. It just means that he's not a great player anymore. It's still good. Uh, Thomas Hurdle is still have is still a very good player. Logan Couture, uh, like I said, I see him aging well. Uh, even Burns, right, thirty-six, uh, is still a very good player. Um, so it's not the the wildest of, of, of gambles in that sense that these 
big stars will still be good. You're really the only one that's completely fallen off is Vlasic. That's another story that we'll, we'll get to. But anyway, it is possible. It's a huge gamble, but it's very possible. Uh, the other part of the short current sharks plan is it depends on hitting on picks that because you're trying to be a little more competitive, they might be after the top five, after the top 10. So you're not going to be necessarily in the most prime kind of draft position. And again, this is possible too. Like we mentioned before, Thomas Hurdle was a mid first round pick. So it happens. Uh, the sharks are capable. Teams are capable of finding very good talent in the mid first rounds. Um, and then finally, because you have so much money dedicated still to in this plan to your big money guys like Couture, Carlson, etc., uh, then you've got to find good, cheap talent in kind of you know hidden places, right? Like Barabanov to add decent depth to your talent. So you've got to you've got to out outmaneuver teams and just kind of dig for those bargains, right? And again, the Sharks have done a decent job with that recently, and if they keep continuing to do that, then I mean, maybe next year, you know, we talked about this in our sort of our case to Tomas Hurdle for him to stay, right? Uh, that, you know, they, they find another player or two like that to add with what they have. Maybe they start to build actually a pretty good looking top nine and they can be a playoff team again as soon as next year. I don't think this is a, I don't think that, that, that that's, that's a wild thing to put out there considering um, where the Sharks were when Carlson got hurt. Um mm. It's possible, you know. It's not. It's not anyone's sort of uh, 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 likely bet, right? <laughs> Which yeah, I understand. Yeah. But it's. I. I. I think you can kind of see see that that's possible at least, though. Yeah, it's not too far fetched. It's definitely attainable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. So. In this sort of a soft dump plan, though, that I am sort of leaning toward though myself or proposing you would say right um all these big contracts right or not all of them except all of them except for vlasic so burns hurdle uh assuming you sign hurdle uh well no no actually no this is assumption yeah give give me it away but you're not but anyway though so burns hurdle couture and carlson are still good players that's the point they are still good players all these guys are still good players they've shown that over the last couple of years even though they're not except for hurdle they're not who they used to be and so because they're still good impact players again not great but still good they may still all be movable despite their bad contracts because teams you know they want to win and so they'll they might take a chance on somebody who not the best contract but still a good player mm-hmm. so the idea again with the soft dump plan is to move these players while you can as long as it doesn't cost you major picks or prospects. So you want to yeah, keep all those assets, keep your William Eklund, keep your first round picks, keep your second round picks too. Okay. So now let's get to sort of the nuts and bolts of, of this plan, the actual, you know, what we're actually talking about, what we're actually going to do. And oh, the number wow. one step, and it's painful, but it is to trade Tomas Hurdo. He's 28, uh, which is not too old uh, if for for a team that is a cup contender, but it is maybe too old for the next wave of sharks. Uh, by the time certain, you know, an Eklund or any 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 of these prospects hits their prime, uh, will Hurdle still be a great player? I don't know. Maybe he can. Maybe he can be. Uh, but I don't. We don't know, right? And the point though is that he's of the right age, 
And you can get uh, a lot for him at a trade deadline right now. He's obviously he's going to be a UFA. Don't even know if he wants to come back, obviously, right? So yeah. you can get a first-round pick and a good prospect for him almost certainly. He's a one player in the Sharks that virtually everybody agrees. Everybody, not even virtually, everybody agrees that he's an impact player. He's not a superstar first-line center, but he is a legit first-line center on a good-to-great team. Then he would be arguably the best second-line center in the league or one of the best second-line centers in the league. So basically, a uh, great player, um, but his age just doesn't quite fit this uh, the next wave of Sharks. So have to trade him. That's unfortunate, but this is the soft dump plan, right? So it's required, mm-hmm. essentially. Like when you asked me, you know, hey, what, what's your draw the line? Who goes? Who stays? I drew the line at 28 years old because that window of opportunity with the the prime years of players like Ryan Merkley, like William Eklund, like Thomas uh, Bortolo, and all future prospects coming into the system. 28-year-old Tomas Schrodel does not fit into that window, you know, unless he can Pavelski 2.0 his career, which is very unlikely. So I do encourage fans to pump the brakes on the every one of the shark centers is going to end up like Pavelski at like in his mid-30s scoring at an absurd rate. It's just it's not a successful prediction model. So yeah, yeah. I mean, if we go back to that, we can talk about that more some other day. But I think the Sharks really lucked out with Marlowe, Thornton, and Pavelski and just how well they aged. And I yeah. don't think that's the norm. <laughs> not at all. And I'm not sure if the Sharks – I've talked about this with other writers or whatever. The Sharks sort of fooled themselves into thinking that this was the norm and they had some kind of formula that they figured out for, for, for that kind of stuff. And I don't know if there is. You know, age just catches up, hits players at different times uh, and whatnot. Fountain of you youth, know. baby. Yeah, you know, Vlasic was a great example of that. I, you know, um, you know, Vlasic is not that old, really, but he just lost his game, and it just it happens to some guys, you know. So anyway, though, so we've okay. So in 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 my plan, uh, I've traded Thomas Shirto, and so the next step to this is I gather the veterans with the big contracts, and that's Carlson, Couture, Burns, and Vlasic. And I tell them the the new direction of the team. And it's not to try to, you know, eke our way into the playoffs. Um, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's to kind of try to gain cap flexibility, try to think about the Sharks of the future. But, and this is, this is very important to me. And, and I talked about, we talked about this a lot in that podcast where we talked about what's the point of the Sharks making the playoffs. I believe that all these players, their leadership is still valuable. And I think especially with the Couture and Burns, and it's not to say that Carlson and Vlasic aren't leaders because they are, but when you talk about, when you talk to the young players in the room and they always bring up Couture and Burns. And so if they want to stay to lead, then I think that, that I, would, I would welcome them to it. I'm not forcing a trade of these guys if they want to stay. Yeah. And part of it is because just how much it hurt it, it would hurt to trade them just in terms of trading burns for what, a, like, you know, fifth yeah, round. Like you said, a fifth. Like that, right. Um, and again, you know, I've talked with uh, different scouts this year, curious what they thought about burns. They still think he is very much a good player that, you know, one scout said that I still see him as a number three guy. In the league. That's a very good, very valuable player. 
even if he's not the number one he used to be. Uh, and with Couture, uh, Couture is harder than movies. He has a longer contract than Burns. Um, but yeah, so that so you might be kind of stuck with him no matter what, because in our kind of uh, in, in this idea that we're pushing, the soft dump idea, we are not trading significant picks and prospects to get rid of contracts, uh, but are willing to re re retain though. And so that might that might come up. But but remember though, you can only retain on three contracts, so you can't you know retain. Uh, you know, you can't retain, can't retain on, on everybody, everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, you tell all already these... just as like a, a, just as to put into perspective, they're already retaining on Martin Jones. So, no, oh, no, that doesn't count. That's different. That's a buyout. That's a different thing. So, oh, okay. Sorry. About, sorry. Sorry. Uh, my, fault, yeah, my fault. Yeah. Yeah. No, no worries. So you, you tell all these guys though, right? Uh, these four specifically, we'll get to a couple of the other kind of, uh, uh, more bit veteran players, uh, more role player veteran players, but the guys with the big contracts, you tell them, look, we're not going to win a cup here soon. You have to be okay with that. And if you do stay, you can't just be good leaders. You have to be exceptional leaders. And I think with Katora and Burns, they it's probably easy for them to do that because I think they're already in that in that range. Whereas Carlson and Vlasic, again, I'm not saying that they're not leaders, but I don't know if they're quite as exceptional as Katora and Burns, right? And so mm -hmm. you need them to kind of step up in that department. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's talk about these individual guys first. So again, with Burns, like I said, he wants to stay, keep him. But good chance the guy wants to win a Stanley Cup. You understand that? So if he wants to go, like I said, uh, he's still seen, I think, around the league as a second pairing quality player. And so you can trade him maybe with salary retained or not. And But I don't think you need to attach picks with him. So I think you see if anybody wants him to trade deadline and, and is willing to meet your price. If not, you can wait till the offseason on him. A Vlasic, I think, is pretty simple. Uh, if he wants to stay on board and you know be the leader of the young defenseman, that's great. You know, you're stuck with him anyway with his contract, right? Yeah. And if he doesn't, then you buy him out. So either way, he gets his money either way. But uh, yeah, if he, if he's going to be around, you know, he's going to play bottom pairing defense. But you can't be unhappy about that. And he had number one again. He has to lead the the, the youngsters. You know, he's probably going to be a guy. If you get rid of a lot of these guys, he may end up wearing an, an A, which some people will argue that he maybe he's deserved over the years and he's never got it right. And so, well, here's his chance to be uh, not just a leader of the locker room, but to be the leader. And yeah. so, yeah, so you, uh, you give him that choice. And maybe he'd rather have a buyout because then he can go somewhere and try to win the Stanley Cup somewhere and not have that much responsibility. That's fine. Perfectly valid. Uh, would not blame him for that. And so you basically give him that choice. Uh, now moving down to Carlson. Uh, Carlson said last year that he didn't want to be part of a rebuilding team. But the problem with his with him is that his contract is still too scary for the rest of his league. It's still too scary to buy out, too. Vlasic is tough to buy out, but Vlasic has four years left at a lower uh, lower cap hit. Carlson's got six at 11.5. So <laughs> I don't think this, I don't think that I don't think uh, we're, we're buying him out. No. And <laughs> so, yeah. So the question As co -GM is GM in this relationship. I'm not signing off on that. <laughs> Okay, so if there's any moves that you don't sign up on, you can you can let me know here too as mm -hmm. I uh, unwind. No, that it. was my only my only interjection so far. There's no way that's <laughs> not without a fucking buy Eric Carlson. Twelve years. Hasso, you Hasso, you're speaking for Hasso. Hasso will not allow this. So. Yeah. <laughs> so 
the, the thing with Carlson, of course, is that he has shown this year that he can still be an impact guy. So does a team consider him if you offer to retain? It's going to be a lot to retain. You don't want to do this, of course, because you're basically you know, paying somebody else, right? And for, yeah. for, for, for your player to excel elsewhere. But will a team take him for, say, $4 million retain, half retain maybe? And um, they'll, take the, they'll take the risk with the years, right? With six more years. But then they're getting maybe an Eric Carlson at 5.5 million or 7 million responsibility. It's, you know, that's then, then I think, I think a a team might take that swing because they might say to themselves, well, if we can just get a couple great years out of him, then we can win a Stanley cup. And then everything after that is kind of, kind of gravy. Maybe you might be able to, to, to find that. And I think uh, if you're the sharks too, look, if you find a team that's willing to do that and Eric wants to go there, then send him there. Let him try to win a Stanley cup somewhere. You know, don't I think part of the point of what of, of uh, the premise of talking to these guys is you want them to want to be here. Yeah. And if they don't want to be here, that's fine. They've more than put in their service with the Sharks, uh, even Carlson. Um, yeah, the, Vlasic obviously has, even though the last couple of years have been really rough for him and Burns for sure, you know, still playing 28 minutes a night. You know, with Carlson hurt, you know, more than they've more than given themselves to the Sharks. And even just to the in Carlson's case, right? More to you know to the senators, but to the league in general, right? They these are veterans who deserve that respect. They want to go elsewhere, send them elsewhere. As long as it doesn't cost you, you know, um, you know, it might cost you some of that salary retainment, but if you can do it without with uh, if you can do it with keeping your your high picks and your good prospects, then do it. Yeah, you know, let the guy a go. Possibility that you might get something back if you're retaining, let's right. say four and a half to five and a half million dollars for six years. I mean, that has to be a value. You're getting something in return for well, that. Well, I don't know. It's it's like I said. You're 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 also asking another team to take on a huge risk because yeah. Well, I mean, a fourth round pick because, is still value. So. Right, right, right. But you know, because you're you're talking about somebody who hasn't stayed healthy right over the last and i know that the injuries are different kinds of injuries some of them seem fluky either way yeah. the fact is is that he hasn't been he hasn't been playing as many games hasn't been playing a full schedule for for a while and yeah. so there's a lot there's a lot of risk there and mm-hmm. what he has shown this year though is that maybe he can still help a team out and i wouldn't have said that the last year for sure nope. and a year before you know and so 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 he has kind of you know he's 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 built up a little bit of that. He's reminded us of the player that he used to be, and so there is some value in that, obviously. And again, you know, just like with all these players, perfectly fine if he stays. But again, he has to be really committed to this rebuild. You yeah. know, that's he's got to be a, a leader of of young men. And so if he's up for that, if he wants to do that, if he's excited, you know, again, you want these guys to be excited to be there. And if they're not excited to be here then okay then then you know uh, let them walk you know let them walk away gracefully you know but let them walk you ever uh, hated where you worked <laughs> what again just for the listeners this is a relatable moment right if they're going to work do you ever hate where you work you ever wanted to get traded from your job to go maybe go somewhere else <laughs> that's that's that uh that relationship there like you don't want to hate where you go because yeah to dread getting up every morning to go and do the job. That's not what you want. Right. And especially, you know, Burns and Carlson totally understand because there are guys that can still help a really good team mm-hmm. uh, and help a really good team win a Stanley cup too. These are not bad players uh, now. You know, these are not uh, a lower end player. They're still high end players. 
And so it's a lot to ask them to wake up every every morning and go to the rink and be excited to be there and know that they have no chance to win the Stanley Cup and not even a likely chance of making the playoffs. The last couple of years, at least, the Sharks could say, oh, we're trying to make the playoffs at least. You know? Yeah. But uh, now we're kind of taking that out of the equation a little bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so finally, let's get to Couture. And I think Couture, actually, of all the players we mentioned here, uh, Carlson, Vlasic, and Burns, He's the one you want to stay the most, I would say, at least uh, in, in my vision. It's mm-hmm. it's because uh, he is younger than Burns, so he will age a little better with uh, the 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 younger players you want to put around him. And he doesn't have the options to leave like Hort- Hurdle does anyway. <laughs> so uh, he sort of has to stay because of his contract, but also too because of how long his contract is, it's hard to get rid of him anyway. And yeah. so I think it's great to have one of the old sharks around. I think that there's a lot of value in, again, passing down the things that were learned in the Pavelski era, in the Thornton era, Marlowe, all that stuff. You know, Sharks built up, again, I've mentioned this many times, but they built up so much capital and leadership and whatever over the last, you know, in that 15-year run uh, when the Sharks were making the playoffs basically every year. And... It would be a shame to 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 lose it all and you know try to Buffalo it or Arizona it or whatever, yeah. and so it that 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 point is going to get to uh, what I, something else I'm going to talk about later, uh, what to do with the Nick Benino and the Matt Nieto types and whatever, right? But uh, so anyway, again though you you put it to Logan and say we want you to stay, uh, but this is what your role is going to be now, and it's not to tell you know the media <laughs> tell us that we're that you're making the playoffs anymore. Uh, thanks for doing that. Thanks for thanks for thanks for covering for us all these years. But uh, you don't have to say that anymore. <laughs> you know. Um, so not to mention he's also the current captain of the team. So yeah. that also goes. It's it, it's it goes a ways. You know, people may agree or disagree with his style, um, but we're not in the locker room. And if you have a a slew of young great players coming into the system you want your captain who's been there his entire career to stay and like you said carry over the tradition of the culture of being a san jose shark yep yep and so if any of these four guys who are capable leaders and let's not forget carlson was a captain in ottawa too if that's the role that they're willing to take in the back half of their career and be excited about then keep them Really keep them. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a ton for them anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. so their leadership can be very, very valuable. You know, again, the hurdle thing is different because hurdle is very, very valuable. You can get a lot for him. Um, but in this case, with these four veteran players, since you're not going to get a lot for them anyway, um, if you get though their excited commitment leadership, that is super valuable. And I would, mm-hmm. I would, I would take that, and I would, I would keep you know, Vlasic's money or whoever, all any of these guys, you know, as long as, again, they're fully committed and fully excited to, uh, and let's get to the next, next part of this. So fully committed, fully excited to reset or rebuild. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I know that terminology is a big bugaboo with Sharks fans and with even the Sharks organization, they don't want to use the rebuild word because it terrified people in the summer of 2015 or whatever. Right. It doesn't. Okay, so Jarson continue to call it, or if I'm the GM, call. I'll, I'll you know I'll keep calling it a reset, and uh, you can just see from my moves what I'm doing that I'm rebuilding. But we'll, we can call, keep calling it a reset just so no one just just so just so uh, uh, you know Snoopy reporters like Shang Peng don't don't spot on their headlines, <laughs> you know. So 
Sharks finally admit it? to doing a rebuild. The end exactly, is near. Exactly, right? <laughs> so let's just keep calling it a reset. No problem, you know? Um, okay, so... We start, so we started with, uh, you know, gathering the vets together and asking them if they want to be the leaders of the new Sharks. If they're excited to do that, even if they're, they're not, you know, going to win a cup here. And to me, leadership is so important. And that's why, again, I'm happy to keep any of Couture, Burns, Carlson, or Vlasic, as long as they're on board with the new direction. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about this again in that podcast, episode 20, where we talked about what's the point of the Sharks trying to make the playoffs or making the playoffs this year. You know, if, you know, what's the point of the Sharks making the playoffs if all it is is getting smacked in the first round by Calgary or Vegas, right? That was sort of the premise of that podcast, right? So, as an organization, you know, I'm the GM here. I don't want a bunch of rudderless kids. I still want strong leadership. And I want to find that in free agency or internally. And obviously, I've already asked internally. I've, I've asked Couture, Burns, Carlson, or Vlasic. If I were the guests from, from that bunch, uh, I would guess that Burns would want Burns and Carlson will want to go win a Stanley Cup. Uh, I think Couture might stay. Even Couture loves to win and all that stuff. But I think Couture might stay. Um, because maybe he's the captain and maybe, yeah, he hopes that he can still win one in San Jose in the back end of his career when, when, you know, when the, the, you know, the, the, the fruits, the draft picks, you know, become, you know, go into their prime. And I think Vlasic will choose to go elsewhere too. Um, and, you know, try to hang on as a bottom pairing defenseman for a good team, you know, uh, in the coming years. So that, that'll be my guess. I don't know that I have no insight on that, obviously, but, um, this was really big decisions, but so I, I guess that you keep Katori as your captain, and then the other three defensemen, they you know they they move on. You find a way to get them somewhere else. So anyway, you still want strong leadership, and so we've so you know we we've talked to the, the expensive veteran guys. So now we got to talk to guys like Nick Benino, Andrew Cogliano, Matt Nieto. Nick Benino, I would love to keep. Ask him. You know, are, again, you know, are you willing to? And Nick Benil, maybe he, maybe he, he's fine with this because he's won his Stanley Cups. He's actually the pretty much only shark that has won those Stanley Cups. So maybe Benino's fine with. You know, can you be excited about being a leader of young players? And you know, you're not going to win a cup here, uh, but be a leader first. Have I mentioned the weather, Nick? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And I think you can send the same courtesy to Cogliano and Nieto, even though they're not, you know, quite, you know, Benino caliber in terms of the, you know, just the the locker, just quite as giant as Benino is, because Benino has those two cups. But so unlike uh, what what some would say you do in a full rebuild, I am definitely not uh, supporting going all young free-for-all. Um, I think that you still have veteran players. You sign them. You sign them. You sign free agents too, veteran free agents. The th- difference, though, in terms of uh, who you sign as opposed to Burns and Carlson, et cetera, is that you sign these veteran players, players to short-term reasonable contracts. They know their role, and they're going to still lead and be positive through some losing. And you still want the young players to take jobs from these veterans. Yeah. That's always been my philosophy to at least my personal as just a, a viewer and as sort of evaluating teams that you want to build an organization where young players just still have to 
play above, you know, not given jobs. They need to play above themselves. They need to learn. They need to grow to take jobs from veterans. Even the veterans aren't as high caliber as the Sharks are used to. So we're still going to have uh, questions like, why is Matt Nieto playing over John Leonard, <laughs> for example? To, to your point, Shank, mm-hmm. when yeah. I was uh, co-hosting the Stick Hungry podcast with, mm-hmm. along with Kyle McLaren, Kyle's a former NHL player, a, mm-hmm. a well-established defenseman. And one thing we continued to talk about back in those days was, you know, why isn't Ryan Merkley being given chances up on the NHL squad? And his answer blatantly was, how has he earned it? You're not given these opportunities just because of your namesake. You have to go or out your and you draft to, status or exactly, or your draft status or draft position. You have to go out there and play. It doesn't matter if you're a undrafted free agent or if you're a first overall pick. You still have to go out there, and you're expected to play at a certain level. And if you're not competing to that level, you don't get the job. That's how it works. So to reinforce your point from former NHL or Kyle McLaren. Yeah, and I think that's a good uh, ethic to build in your locker room. Uh, You know, you want to figure out which of these young players are good enough to keep when your team is good again. You Mm -hmm. know, which of these young players are the guys who are just putting up stats now because they're getting a lot of playing time? Or which of these guys are going to be, you know, future third line, fourth line players on a cup contender. And so part of the reason why, or part of the way you figure that out is you, you figure out the guys who take jobs. And so Mara Farrell is obviously a guy who took, took a job, right? He took Vlasic's job, Simic's job, you know, you name it, right? Uh, a guy like Noel Greger, right? As unpopular as he is, he's taken some jobs too uh, because of the things that, well, that everything he does well except for score. <laughs> hey, quick but shout out. He scored against Vegas. He did. He did. And again, My actually, man. I have an article coming out. Uh, well, it's going to be today uh, from NBC where I, again, defend uh, Noah Gregor's virtues. So. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I think I think <laughs> the I think, Noah Gregor truther himself. Shang yep, that's me. Yep. I, I think he's a player. So, yeah. So anyway, that's sort of the, the overall point of the next couple or one of the points in the next couple of years is that you figure out which of these young players, the Rudy Balzers, uh, if you keep Arbonoff, he's a little bit on the older side, but you maybe if you keep him, um, you know, who else are we talking about? Jonathan Dolan, right? You see which of these are real deal players that are going to be good players on good teams or which of these guys are just guys that can pump, you know, can, can, can build stats on bad teams. Those are the guys that you won't want around when, uh, when your team is good again. And again, I'm going to go back to Noel Gregor a little bit. This is why I'm a fan of his, because I think he's a player that is going to be a good player on a good team. He's not going to score a lot of goals, probably. Uh, you know, his cap is maybe 15. Um, but if you get 10 to 15 with all his other qualities, then you have a guy that you can win a championship with or be a cup contender with, and you can have this guy on your fourth or third line and be a very good player, you know, in your bottom six. And that's very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, and so anyway, in terms of uh, how you build your team over the next, you know, year or two, you know, you, you have a lot of cap space now, right. In theory, but you want to add the right players. Uh, and you may not be able to add the right talent because maybe you're not that attractive because your team's not good for UFA. Also, too, you're not overspending on UFAs. Your team isn't ready for that, right? Yeah. You're so, not pushing to the cap here. Right, right. You're not. So you, so it's so if you can't acquire the right talent, uh, you acquire the right mindset. 
And so that's why I talk about you keep, if they want to be here for this, then you consider keeping the Beninos and the Nietos and Coglianos. If they show any hesitance, then you trade them. And you let them go win a cup, try to win a cup somewhere, which is that's the right that they've earned as veteran players and as, you know, dedicated, hardworking veteran players. And so, again, if it's not Benino who wants to stay, then you find somebody who will stay and be, you know, that kind of mentor. And you want a player like that, the right mindset to rub off on your youth. Like, I would love to see what how Jasper Weatherby will turn out with, you know, if he watches the Nick Benino for the next couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think I think that's going to be a good thing. Um, so anyway, we talk about the larger plan of of, of the leadership. So you want to divest yourself of as many of these long contracts as possible, but keep guys, you know, but recognize that you're not going to get a lot or anything for for these long contracts, the Carlsons, etc. So if they want to stay and they're excited to stay, then keep them. That's fine. Um, but you should be able to get rid of a, a, a couple of the big commitments here. And you have that flexibility now, or you're going to have that flexibility in the near future when your young players are good. And maybe you're just a veteran player or two from competing. And then at that point, you know, you have that flexibility for trade or signing somebody more expensive. Um, so that's, that's sort of the idea of that. And anyway, I do want to call back, a uh, one old sharks thing. It's something that this actually sort of plan, uh, without the, the cap trouble, of course, <laughs> but it's what, uh, Dean Lombardi did, uh, with the sharks in the summer of 1996 and the sharks uh, the 1995, 96 sharks were a terrible team. Um, they were coming off the 94, the, in the previous year, the, the that sharks team made the playoffs. And it was kind of a weird mix of youth and veterans there. And it was not it was not a, a kind of a formula that was going to last. It's, it's kind of like what the Sharks are kind of hoping to do right now to kind of back into the playoffs and maybe ups, upset somebody and that sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and with kind of this like Frankenstein mix of like past their prime veterans and young players who are a little bit too raw. But enough of it comes together that you can you know make it as an eighth, seven, six seed in the playoffs or whatever. And I think that's sort of what the Sharks are going for now. And that's what, you know, if you want to go back in history with the Sharks, the 1994-95 Sharks, maybe in some ways there's some parallels without the expensive-ass contracts, of course. Um, However, the bottom dropped out the next year for the Sharks, 1995-96. And so they went from being a playoff team to one of the worst teams in the league. And one of... When I have some of that those numbers right right in right in front of me here so <laughs> yeah so uh so so yeah so they they had uh they went uh, 20 55 and 7 so <laughs> not very good and so anyway uh, uh just those... under 500 no <laughs> no exactly so anyway uh in the in the summer of 1996 uh Dean Lombardi signed a number of veteran players who were all of them past sort of the prime of their careers. Uh, he signed uh, Marty McSorley, Al Iafredi, Todd Gill, defenseman, forwards, uh, Tony Granado, uh, Todd Ewan, Tim Hunter. Some of these were traits too. But anyway, he acquired all these guys in summer 96. And also Bernie Nichols. And then he acquired uh, goalie Kelly Rudy. So these are eight players over 30 that he acquired in, in that summer. And 
the purpose of of acquiring these guys wasn't to win the next year and they did not the next year they were also they were 2055 and 7 in 1995 96 i believe in the next year uh i let's see i still have it up okay i actually uh, went past that page but anyway the next year 1995 96 with these veteran players they won 27 games so you know a little improvement but not much but the point of signing all these guys though wasn't to get you weren't going to get you know Bernie Nichols was once a seventy goal scorer you know when in his twenties uh, Tony Granado was a thirty forty goal scorer uh, Marty McSorley was one of the the better you know physical defensemen who could also fight and and score uh, score a little bit too uh, in the prime of his career and so these were some really good players in in their prime but uh, and great in some cases you know Kelly Rudy was the starting goaltender for the the Gretzky King team the Gretzky Kings teams um so these were some very good players in their prime but at this point when Dean Lombardi signed them they weren't but the purpose of signing these guys was to surround you know the Sharks at that point had a lot of young draft picks and and whatnot right and so the point was to surround uh, their prospects with good veterans and veterans who knew the score, you know, uh, Tony Granado did not sign with the Sharks to win a Stanley cup, you know, and this is all documented. Dean Lombardi told him, look, you're not going to win a Stanley cup here. You're here for this reason. You're here to be not just good leaders, but great leaders and to influence the next wave of Sharks. And it's not a direct, you know, kind of correlation. You can't say that this is exactly what kind of, got the Sharks over their next hump. But basically, this leads to 1997-98 and Daryl Sutter taking over. And that Sharks team makes the playoffs. And the Sharks make the playoffs from 1997 to 2019, right? Uh, they make it every year except for, what, three years, I think, they've missed? Or two years. Two years, I think. And so that's a great run. And so that's what you're trying to build again. And so... Again, I am not for buffaloing it or Arizoning it and going all, you know, you want to you want to surround your youth with the right guys. And so that means uh, signing veterans and keeping veterans. And again, that question, why is Matt Nieto playing over John Leonard? Yeah, <laughs> so. the, the answer will make sense in 20 years. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sort of the idea. Right. So yeah. anyway, so um, so next the next the next step here i think the, the, this is this is a little debatable but i think the big question here we're looking at the sharks roster now we've decided what to do with our big contracts uh we decided what to do with some of the 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 younger veteran or i'm sorry the 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 the, the vet the cheaper veterans like nick benino and matt nieto there's a direction yeah. there, okay so the big question now is timo meyer now timo meyer of course right uh having a terrific season uh he has uh, another year left on his contract at $6 million, which is very reasonable. Uh, of course, he does have that $10 million qualifying offer kind of in your face. So if he kind of repeats uh, what he's doing this year, next year, you know, he's a guy that's going to be a $9, $10 million player. Yeah. Um, so my decision for him for now is to hold him for now. Uh, he's 25, uh, obviously a th- three years younger than a hurdle. And it would be nice to have your prospects have somebody established to play with. And for example, you can still build kind of a decentish first line with Couture and Meyer and whatever young player, young winger that you put with them. Um, so that would be for now. I know some people, the more aggressive of the rebuilding set, would trade Timo Meyer right now and get maximum value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and again, you have to kind of—he's a younger player, but you have to check with him too and say, "Look, 
this is what it is. Like, are you, are you, are you excited to be here with this? And if he wants to move too, he wants to go win, you know, then, then maybe you do trade him. Right. But if he's, if he's happy to be, uh, you know, he, there's a chance here for Timo Meyer to be a true leader of this team. Now with, if you, if you kind of cut the heart out of a lot of the leaders, you trade a lot of leaders, right. He can be a young leader like a Merritt Ferraro, who I, I would still keep obviously my sort of a model here and mm-hmm. so Timo Meyer can be the, the the forward version of Mario Ferraro maybe and so if he's excited to stay here for this then you keep him uh and if he's performing at his level then then you keep him and uh, actually if you look back at the 90 the 90 uh, the 96 97 Sharks example that I used uh on that 96 97 team was an Owen Owen uh who obviously grew with that Sharks that version of the Sharks and he was part of, I think, five straight Sharks playoff teams, I think, from 97, 2002, roughly, right? So, yeah, so, so 97, 2002. And so, uh, Timo can, can, can be, can be like that, maybe. So, 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 yeah, so, so I, so I, I would, I would hold on that question for now. Maybe next year, this time, we, we take a different tact and maybe you do trade him at the next trade deadline and, you know, the value is good there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or this, you know, or next off season, right? But he's still going to be RFA. Who knows? We'll see. But I would just hold him for now. I wouldn't be in a hurry to get rid of him. So, okay. So next, um, the coaching. And oh, this boy. relates actually to a question that uh, I was asked in the last uh, mailbag. Um, and uh, AG, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the, the AJG two zero two zero. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, and I uh, thank you so much for the question, and also too for all your all your comments on Twitter. Uh, regular responder to yeah, just the, the the things I write and whatnot. I really appreciate that. And he asked if I thought that Bob Bugner was a good coach for young players, and I I answered in in the last podcast article. Uh, but I'll sort of regurgitate it here that I actually think that there's a good chance that he is. I don't know that for sure, but uh, for one thing, uh, Bob and, you know, Bob is still the owner of the Windsor Spitfires. Right. And so I think he's a guy, you know, with that role of being an owner that he's a good company man. And so if the team tells him, if the Sharks organization tells him, Hey, we are rebuilding. We are rebuilding, he's, but don't say the word rebuild to the to the media. <laughs> he's probably like, oh, thank God. No, I, you know no, what? I don't, he, he could be. Yeah, because now I don't need to. Now I don't need to, you know, think about up playing the James Armour 13 and, games or. Yeah, yeah, right. And Bob is a very candid guy as, we, as we've seen anyway. And so now he can be a little, maybe even a little more honest, except don't use the word rebuild, Bob. Okay, please. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I don't think he has any problem with that if that's what the team wants. And then setting clear guidelines for that youth to grow, you know, making it so there are veterans for these young players to need to eclipse to take their jobs. And I mentioned this before that I think he's had a very positive development uh, impact on Timo Meyer's development. I think he handles individual personalities well. And also, too, I think he has appreciation for skill. I know some people don't think that, but I think he very much does. Uh, so I think he has appreciation for skill, but also, too, that these players need to integrate themselves into a team game. And that combination of skill and skill players being willing to play a team game, that's how you win in the big picture. It's not just one or the other. Um, and also, too, uh, he's a two-time CHL Coach of the Year winner, uh, but that was a while ago, of course. But anyway, 
I think I I my I, I would let to look harder at it, but I it wouldn't surprise me at least if if Bob is a pretty good coach for young players. Um, again, I I like the idea that he's going to set boundaries, standards, and I think that uh, I, th- I think that's really that's really important. And I do think that he's a coach that players respect, uh, players coach to some degree. And so I think, I think that helps him. I think that, you know, he's able, I think that he talks well with, with players and just how he interacts with them. I think that seems pretty positive from what I've seen. And so I would trend toward keeping him. And I think um, would be a little unfair to put a lot of stock into his coaching record with the Panthers, given it was only two seasons. Um, as well as the the situation and involving it, um, so everyone likes to look at him and be like, "Oh, he couldn't, he couldn't take the Panthers to the playoffs with Jonathan Huberdeau and Trocheck and Bobrovsky and Ned." And it's like, let's, it's okay to put stock into that, but it's also completely unfair to judge a coach completely by two seasons in the NHL when he has so many other things that he's done. Like you said, a two-time CHL coach of the year, which would reinforce more towards being better with younger players, anyways. So. Yeah, in theory, in theory. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I look, I would look more into his Florida tenure, but from what my my interactions with him uh, in San Jose and just seeing how he's dealt with young players and young players who have grown under him, you know, Meyer we talked about, uh, Ferraro, um, you know, the one guy that did not grow under him, which needs to be examined, is LeBanc. Um, mm-hmm. but otherwise though, I feel like, uh, the young players who, who had the talent and the, and the will and sort of the ability to add little details to their game, like an old Gregor, they've grown under him. the players okay. that haven't been able to add little things to their game. Uh, like some of the players in the AHL, well, they weren't going to really do much in the NHL anyway, be it for Bob or anybody else. Really? That's at least that's my opinion. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so I, I I'm okay with 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 keeping him. Um, you know, I, I I need to look into it more again when the Sharks get into that place where they are really actually going uh, going into this sort of rebuild. But um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, so just to summarize all this, uh, because yeah, we are past midnight now, and so I've been talking for a while, and so yeah. <laughs> so. Just sort of to summarize, you know, what this kind of soft dump plan, what does it achieve? So, so I, my perception of the current Sharks plan, and if a Jonathan Becker is listening, yeah, I would uh, welcome uh, the, you know, tell me I'm, tell me I'm wrong here. Uh, but I think it's predicated on the stars still being pretty good, the, you know, your star players, your Carlson, your Burns, right? Uh, hitting on perhaps later picks because you, you may not get the, top picks because you're just trying to you're trying to stay competitive and finding dirt cheap quality talent because so much of your money is dedicated to a few veterans i think that's pretty fair that's a spot-on analysis a good summary i mean that's it's only reinforced by every decision that they've made since they fired peter DeBoer. so yeah yeah i mean i don't know if DeBoer is the demarcation point but like yeah I mean, basically, well, that's the season that they start selling people off little sure, by little, sure. is what I'm saying. So, like, sure. that's like they they can't. I'm not saying it's what like correlation isn't causation type of thing, but it's just like if you could benchmark a point in time, that's where I would benchmark it. Yeah, maybe that's sort of where they figured out that oh, you know what, we're not going to be 
you know, winning a cup anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. That could be, that could be about when they realized it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, because obviously they, they had signed Carlson in the summer before, uh, or just a expecting few months before. great things, expecting great things, right. Still from, from this team. But anyway, though, so, so my plan is don't take the chance with the aging players because that's such a huge risk. And they could all prove prove us wrong. You know, uh, guys like in L.A., Kopitar and Dowdy are still pretty good players. So it, it can work. Uh, but it's a huge risk, though, because if they don't work, then you've sunk, uh, you know, so much of your money to, you know, this player that just like, well, you know, Vlasic is sort of an example of that where you're not getting anything resembling the what, what, what you're spending on on the player. So anyway, so it's not so. It's, so my plan is don't take that chance uh, on 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 these guys, um, or at least um, give them a chance to leave if they want to win elsewhere. And yeah. the other part of my plan is, yeah, you you again, you just it's always about scouting and hitting on your picks. But your picks are going to be a little earlier here probably, and so that gives you you know fractionally better chance of of, of you know getting the guy you want. And, but the biggest thing about this, though, again, is, again, you know, I don't care. I don't I don't care for rock bottoming it, going for the number one pick. You know, I think we talked about this uh, before the podcast. You know, if you do everything to get that number one, number two pick, well, there's 10 other teams or whatever trying to do the same, kind of the same thing. Yeah. And what if you don't get that number one pick and you've kind of bottomed out and and you've, you know, fucked with your culture and whatever, right? I, I don't, yeah. you know, if you... I like I like still trying to have a winning culture, still trying to win, even though obviously you're trading some good players, so it's not going to look like that. But getting guys who really want to win, still having the right mindset of players in there, who are going to try their best. And if you if you kind of work your way to the number one pick, <laughs> then great, yeah. you know. But the you're not going still to a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's lottery still a thing, right? But you're not going to bottom out and you know and just gut everything for 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 that number one pick that's that's yeah. not that's not anything that that i personally support um so anyway so so you got to hit on these on these picks you have uh but okay the most important thing though of this of this whole plan is having that flexibility to improve your team uh smartly through free agency or trade you know uh you get rid of these uh these big money guys you suddenly have this cap space and you don't need to use it immediately you can kind of save it and wait for the time that you have your Connor McDavid, or if not your Connor McDavid, your you know your guy to pair Imagine. with Timo Meyer, right? Or <laughs> right? Or William? Yeah. So maybe it's going to be William Mecklen. Maybe it's going to be somebody else. You know, yeah. um, free agencies. So, it's every year happens. Every single year, yeah. teams can't pay guys what they're worth. Uh, you know, Nachushkin's one of those guys that might be coming up on that this season. Well, that's not um, a guy. That that's a guy that is not a guy to build. I don't think so. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, there's <laughs> so. the names. It happens every single year. There's gonna be guys available. Mm -hmm. So you, at that point, you're in control because you get to decide what you're spending when. You know, right. you can look. You can look into the future and not get punished for it because you're doing the soft dump. Right, right, right. And so, it's, yeah, suddenly you have that flexibility to acquire some 27, 28-year-old. Uh, maybe in two, three years, you can give a team that has to give up their Thomas Hurdle, then maybe you can trade or sign them. You know? but, mm -hmm. uh, um, but, you know, the, the Sharks plan, it, as I described it, is perfectly reasonable. I mean, who wants to retain salary for like a half decade, uh, possibly send out draft picks, 
buy players out. No one, nobody wants to do that. Uh, so I don't think terrible. they're, they're, I don't, huh? What again? That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> like, I just keep thinking of buying out Eric Carlson and just, ah, 12 well, years. Oh, God. Buying out uh, Mark Edward Vlasic's going to be ugly enough, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, but that's sort of the, you know, um, Perfectly reasonable for the Sharks to want to avoid things like that, you know. Or like I said, you know, let's 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 talk about everything that that that, that I've just proposed, or the the big things, right? The the big stars, right? The players that the Sharks uh, are used to, right? I've just traded Tomas Hurdle. Understandably, the Sharks and Sharks fans, a lot of Sharks fans, don't want that. Uh, I've just bought out Mark Edward Vlasic, and I'm not talking about it's just the cost of that, right? Who you know, the Sharks don't want that. Sharks fans don't want that. The cost, well, that's going to do to your cap. I've just traded mm-hmm. Brent Burns for a fifth-round pick. <laughs> yeah, That's going to look real bad. That is not a good-looking move by any stretch. This isn't trading Thomas Hurdle for a first and a good prospect. You traded a guy that, you know, a potential future Hall of Famer has won a Norris Trophy. is still a good player um, for literally nothing just to get rid of his cap. Never a good look. And I've just potentially traded Eric Carlson off for what? For, you know, we had to retain, say, $4 million a year. That's ugly. You can look, you know, we can look at cap friendly for the next six years and look at Eric Carlson, $4 million for six years. And then, you know, he could be winning a Stanley Cup in like, I don't know where, in Tampa Bay or where, wherever, you know, so again, mm-hmm. still a really good player. So, it's gonna. It's it's just gonna be a lot of hits with with my plan. There's a PR every time Eric Carlson does something. Every time Brent look just like we've seen the last couple of years, right? Every time, every time you know Joe Pavelski takes a dump and it smells good, it, it's it's Twitter gold, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, um, it's 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 gonna be a t- a lot of that for for uh, for for Sharks fans and yeah. on Sharks social, social media. Anytime these guys do anything good, right? But it's the cost, you know. It's and so, so you can understand why the sharks want to avoid all this stuff. I can you know? see the fire Shang Peng tweets. <clears throat> Hashtag oh, yeah. fire Shang Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, people want to fire Doug for signing all these guys to contracts. People want to fire Doug. We'll want to fire Doug once if he gets rid of all these guys too. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a rock and a hard place sort of thing, you know, but, um, but yeah, uh, that's again, uh, my thought for the the best way though for the you know it's a percentage thing you know the sharks plan might have like a 30 percent chance of succeeding you know something like i don't know it's it's uh it and my plan maybe it's a 40 percent chance everything depends on your drafting it doesn't really matter what plan really just you know if you draft well whether you have the 17th pick or the seventh pick then your any plan you have is going to work out basically yeah (laughs) so yeah so so yeah, so that's why I don't think the Sharks plan is is, is is crazy by any stretch. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time editorializing it or critiquing it because I think it's a perfectly reasonable plan in a lot of ways. Uh but I do like my plan as a marginally better uh a better route toward uh the same goal, right? Of winning a Stanley Cup, of getting the Sharks back to yeah. being a cup contender. Expediting the contention process. That's yeah, in, in theory. In theory, in, you know. In theory, you know. You know, no, because look, like, let's look, let me look, look, let's look at the Sharks. Ad. We talked about this before. The Sharks, like, if a couple of these picks really hit, then they can be back good. Uh, I mean, just depends on how good these picks are, right? Let's say, mm-hmm. like, the Shark, let me look, let's look, let's use Detroit as example, right? Like, let's say, oh, like, yeah. you have, like, uh, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider walking the Sharks next year. 
Oof. just like they have with the Red Wings, mm. right? And you pair them with a still pretty good Eric Carlson, and you have Thomas Hurdles, then et cetera, et cetera, right? Like, this starts to kind of look like a playoff team, you know? I'm just using these examples, right? And yeah. so if you pick the right guys, and um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think, like Raymond and Cider, I don't know, were they even top five guys? I think they were, they were, they were top ten. I think maybe. Raymond was fourth or third in the, okay. uh, the, third, the, okay. the Alex Laugh, Quentin mm-hmm. Byfield uh, draft. Yeah. 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 He was, I think he was either third or fourth in that. Okay. But he was, he, he's our, he's our continued example of why William Mecklen went back to the SHL, right? Well, that's what they say, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, that's yeah. Right. So, so if, so if, if, if William steps in and he's your, uh, he's your, uh, he's your, uh, Lucas uh, Raymond. Yeah. Your Raymond, right? Okay, I see. Cider was a number six pick, all right. So okay, so yeah. it's that's a so okay, you know that's a a, a very uh, the Sharks do not have a cider in their system. They probably mm-hmm. don't even have a Raymond, but they definitely do not have a cider. <laughs> but uh, anyway, though, like you have a couple of impact. You draft the right guys. You luck out in a couple of years. You know you can be back right in there. You know it it it, it happens. You know everything is just about your drafting. So that I think that's that's the big point. You know the people who really criticize the Sharks plan. If it doesn't work out, it's probably because they they didn't draft well. It's not because they didn't get rid of Eric Carlson or they didn't, you know, do this or that, you know. Uh, just that with the picks that they had, whether they keep Hurdle or not, they just fucked up those picks. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what it's all about, really, man. If, you, if you're drafting busts, it doesn't matter who the fuck right. you keep or who you trade away. Right, so. exactly. And so, you know, my, my plan is maybe to have a few more picks, uh, a little more emphasis on that, and also to slightly higher picks. But again, just, mar- you know, slightly marginal, uh, marginally better chance to, uh, or a marginally better chance to get the get the team back to the, again, the same place just, that, yeah, that we all just, want, I guess. Just yeah. playing the odds, right? The higher yeah. the picks, the higher probability chance they're going to turn out to be an NHLer. Right, you know? slightly higher, and again, though, yeah, I don't like the idea of just going tanking full out for the picks. Um, still have good teams around, or try your best to, you know, have like hardworking veteran teams, leadership, all that kind. Of, that's all really important, you know, building that culture still. But yeah. anyway, no, I think it's valid. I gave it the Nick's uh, seal of approval. Well, my my AGM is this. is not going to uh, backstab me and, and go to go to go to Curtis Pashelka and tell him what a moron. Yeah, listen <laughs> the to this. GM is look at this goofball. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. He's out of his mind. <laughs> no, no, you I should think have it, Burns for a fifth round pick. Yeah, what a schmuck. <laughs> No, it makes complete logical sense. And theoretically, I'm sure there's someone out there that's going to say only a fifth round pick for Brent Burns. All you could easily get a second. I, yeah, I can't answer no, that. You're, you're... I can't answer that. Honestly, I cannot sit here and tell you that Brent Burns is worth this much at this salary retention because I'm not an NHL. It's just GM. the age. No, he's not, yeah. though. I mean, look, like I, I um, before this podcast, I, I talked to a uh, number of people about those Three, well, Vlasic, uh, well, those four, right? Those four big contracts: uh, Vlasic, uh, Burns, Carlson, and Couture. Um, and yeah, you know, we I come out with that Vlasic is is untradeable um, without you know a huge you know bevy of picks. Uh, Burns is tradable. The deeper. Burns is tradable mainly because he's still a good player, but also his contract is going to expire the you know just the risk is less even though he's older yeah. the risk is less you know that's basically yep. what, what that amounts to 
And Carlson, everyone agrees, is still a good player, but his contract is scary. And yeah, Couture is a little bit in a, in a, in a weird place because his contract is as long as Carlson's, but it's not as expensive, but he's not quite as good a player, but people do like how he plays. So uh, yeah, Couture's, yeah, Couture's value, it's a little harder to to read, I think, if he are ever to hit the market. Um, so, um, yeah. But I would guess, though, the Sharks were to trade. If he wanted to leave and the Sharks wanted to trade, that they would have to retain on him, too. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone's taking him at eight. So, But uh, that's exactly. my guess, though. But. Well, valid points all across the board. Everyone who's listening, make sure you let us know. You know, if you have the time to whip it up on Armchair GM and on Cap Friendly <laughs> visualize this for everybody i might do this we'll see might uh, might associate it with our twitter post or with our our, our write-up on san jose hockey now but um yeah i i fully back this i like the soft dump idea i i'm not sure i think the trade deadline will be very indicative of which way they go well i i, I want to end with this point uh the sharks are not doing this <laughs> There you go. Boom. So, so yeah. this was all. This last hour was really exercise in in fantasy and what I would do if if I was uh, the Sharks GM. But the mm-hmm. Sharks are giving every indication that they're not doing this. That they're going to try to resign Tomas Hurdle, even if they don't resign him. Um, I don't know if that means that you know they're going to trade Brent Burns or you know they're going to really even go into a soft dump. I don't think so. That doesn't seem like it. Um, unless, uh, like we mentioned before, unless Burns wants to leave or, yeah. you know, some of these guys want to leave, then that's a different uh, situation, but that's essentially what I was kind of getting to is that yeah. if they don't come to terms with Tomash, he gets traded and then Burns approaches them, then they're kind of forced. They right, no right, right, right. And may, so, may, and maybe in some ways that's what they've been building toward. Yeah, yeah. To that, that, that is that, you know, what we tried with these guys, we tried, the best we could for you know whatever uh i don't know if they really tried their best actually the last couple of years so <laughs> but anyway though that's a whole nother uh discussion it's a different episode man. yeah <laughs> but um but yeah yeah um yeah so i i, I, I don't know though fair. yeah i don't i don't know that, that the deadline is going to tell us i mean the hurdle thing is a big deal obviously but um i i don't think i don't it just you know, they, we'll they could just be kind of giving us like the blowing smoke and saying, and, you know, they, they don't want to use the words rebuild and they really are. But some people have theorized that a lot of their moves have to some degree suggested that, too. Some of them haven't, though. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if if the hurdle, whatever happens with hurdle means. Uh, I, I If they do resign them, I do mean I do think that that means the team is going to double down and start to win. Uh, yeah. for whatever that brings uh but if they yeah. don't i don't think that means that they're necessarily going to rebuild so. as we say every week shang time will tell <laughs> yeah. we'll see and the and the clock is ticking we are getting mm-hmm. closer and closer to that trade deadline but yep. we've gone on long enough it's time for us to close this puppy out as we said before you can follow us on twitter at sj hockey now pod you can follow the network at hockey pod net you can follow myself at nick floor underscore Shang, Shang underscore Ping. Yep, yeah, that's that's correct. I always test them. This is actually just a pop quiz to see if Shang remembers his Twitter handle. Uh, and of course, make sure if you have the opportunity or the means to go subscribe to San Jose Hockey. Now you'll get all the un- everything that's unlocked, all the subscriber only stuff. Boom, instantly, it's all unlocked. So make sure if you have the means to do that, feel free. It's extremely cheap and and significantly well worth it. So. Thank you all again for joining us for this uh, another little adventure of role-playing where we did a little armchair GM. 
And make sure you all stay safe. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now. Hug your loved ones, you know. And, uh, of course, as always, stay hydrated.